Oh yeah, snare drum time means it's college football time. Edition number 130, officially of some form of Minnesota sports chat. The soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota sports chat. I would be Ross Brendel, joined in moments by Daniel House from gophersguru.com. Find Daniel on that Twitter machine, at Daniel House NFL. The obligatory begging for those new to the podcast, please make sure to rate and review Minnesota Sports Chat. Please do that on Apple and Spotify, and please make sure you tell your friends and family all about this podcast, especially if you are a Golden Gophers football fan, because each and every week I will be joined by Mr. Daniel House to review the last Gopher game and preview the next How the heck you doing, Mr. Daniel House? Lovely week. Big Ten football is back, and I want to see how the Gophers stack up against a good football team on the road. This is a good good test. So we'll get to that momentarily. First, we need to review the action. Last Saturday, Golden Gophers defeat the University of Colorado Buffaloes 49-7. Daniel, I think the only real thing to review from this game is the injury to Chris Ottman-Bell. We affectionately call him Crab. We know now it is a season-ending injury. Initially, that is a tough blow for the Gophers. I mean, you just feel bad for a guy who's gone through injuries before and is now going through a big injury, a season-ending injury again. Such an unfortunate thing to have happen because Chris was playing at such a high level and you look at all the advanced stats like he was so high in yards per route run the system was fitting him extremely well and you saw some of the wrinkles that Minnesota had in for him specifically but I also think now you're able to pivot and feature Dalen Wright, Brevin Spanford, uh, spread the ball around more. Daniel Jackson's coming back off of injury, so they're looking to see what they can get from him. And Lameki Brockington, another player who flashed in the Western Illinois game, Kirk Shiraka said it that week that he wanted to get some reps for him in game so you could see what he can do. So uh, thankfully, Kirk Shiraka did that and decided it was a good plan. So those guys, and then along with Mike Brown Stevens and Clay Geary out of the slot. Clay Geary made a great play in that last game. I mean, that was a phenomenal catch on that corner route. He's got good ball skills. He's willing as a run blocker. I just like his his approach and his mentality. So I could see Minnesota just spreading the ball around more and getting creative with with the touches that they that they hand out to the receivers. I'm ready for Big Ten play, and I think we'll start talking about Michigan State here real quickly in this podcast, but. One thing I do want to give the Gophers credit for, or give them credit to, for doing, rolling through the non-conference schedule largely, I don't want, unchallenged? Yeah, probably. I mean, they just, they weren't challenged that much, but that's largely because of what they were able to do against teams that, let's be honest, they're better than physically, athletically, socially, maturity. What's PJ's bit? Can you do it for me, House? Athletically, socially, and spiritually. Thank you. I don't know if they're better in all those aspects than the teams that they played, but definitely athletically and academically. Definitely athletically and physically, they were better. Just kind of nice to see a team do what it should do. Roll through the non-conference schedule. 
the games count, but they are largely, I don't like when people say they're preseason games, but they're largely this year they were set up to be exhibitions where they were free wins. That's still not a good way of putting it. But I'm just happy to see them show up and do what I think we all wanted them to do. Pound your opponent into submission and get plenty of other people work. I don't care who you're playing. You still have to execute and show certain things are clicking. And I saw that throughout the non-conference slate. We talked about it last week, just putting your foot on the gas in these games rather than maybe trying to pull some things back and not show as much. I felt like Minnesota put some things out on tape and was very intentional about the types of things they did offensively and defensively to get teams to study certain things. And then you build off of it as the season progresses. And when teams start studying your tendencies, you make that one subtle tweak that could lead to an explosive play. And then defensively, maybe it's a coverage disguise or a front that you showed uh, pressure package that uh, somebody sets a protection in response to it, and now you're coming the other way with the pressure or something like that. The breakdown this week dove into the defense and how Jirasi built off of some things throughout that game and also dove into the areas that Minnesota can continue to expand off of as they enter a big game. And I'm working on the Michigan State preview right now. It's probably one of the biggest previews I've ever done in terms of just – all the content and matchups because I spent a lot of time studying uh, Michigan State this offseason. So I'm excited to put it out this week. Well, let's hop to that now. Vegas says the Golden Gophers are favorites. Does Daniel House believe the Golden Gophers should be the favorites as they get set to travel to East Lansing and take on Mel Tucker and the Michigan State Spartans? Yes, I do. And I say that because I I have a ton of faith in Minnesota's defense. And I feel as if that group will really carry them throughout the season. If Minnesota can score 20 or more points, I believe they'll be in a lot of football games. And looking at this matchup specifically, being able to push the pocket from inside, but also maintain the edge and contain because Peyton Thorne, I think on film, does a very nice job of getting outside of the pocket, throwing on the move. Uh, extending plays, and also scrambling, being able to pick up yardage. So retracing the quarterback, finishing rushes, and you know you got to be able to get pressure on him. When you look at the numbers, Ross, it's significant. It's something along the lines of 73% adjusted completion percentage when kept clean versus about 52% under pressure, and four picks in the first three games as a result of pressure. So Minnesota has to be able to put pressure on Peyton Thorne, and then also – Defensively, I like how the versatility and depth of the secondary has shown up to a point where you can now match up against a wide receiver group that's very physical, has a lot of length at the tight end and receiver positions. So Minnesota has answers defensively, I feel, as if this will be a very creative game plan to exploit some of the weaknesses that Michigan State has on offense. And then uh, then with the game plan offensively, it's all about seeing what the offense looks like without crab. How do they adapt, spreading the ball around? Uh, what type of detail execution is there from the receivers that are forced to step up and run some of these concepts? Let's see how everything comes together, but I'm leaning on the defense in a game like this. The Gophers scored a lot of points in the non-conference. You always want to score as many points as you possibly can, but... Something tells me P.J. Fleck, Joe Rossi, even Kirk Sciarocca, 
I don't think they'd have much of a problem if the score was somewhere in like the 27 to 21 or 24 to 20 range. I I feel like that's a game that they're comfortable playing within a one score game where they can do enough offensively to control the clock, especially in the ground game with Mo and Potts and yep. Bryce. I, I just feel like that's if the Gophers are to be victorious, I, f- I feel like it's going to be somewhere in that. 27-24, 24-20 range. Am I right in that opinion? Yeah, I agree. It it will be around that range, and you never know. You get off to a quick start. Uh, you get Michigan State backpedaling. You watch their secondary. They made a lot of mistakes, miscommunications, alignments. Washington spread them out, ran a lot of different personnel groupings, motion people. Eye discipline was poor, some communication problems in their secondary, and that's been a problem, Ross, dating back to last year. They gave up nearly 2,000 yards after the catch last year. Teams are averaging about 164 yards after the catch per game against Michigan State, which was the worst mark in the Big Ten. And you see some of that carrying over into this season as well. Amir Speed, uh, cornerback, is the player who has been exploited, and Mel Tucker was asked about the secondary this week. And he indicated possibly uh, there could be some personnel changes in the back end. So we'll keep an eye on that. It's either going to be Amir Speed or Angelo Gross, the safety, I think, if I had to guess. But there's some exploitable matchups there. And then also using some motion to displace defenders in the run game uh, to open things up. Uh, the game plan is fascinating to me. This this game overall against a team that is talented going on the road, I'm just ready to to watch the team play. House, I think when you look back at the game last weekend and you have the Chris Ottman Bell injury, but Tanner Morgan and the offense, albeit against Colorado, continued to play well and they looked in sync and Tanner played well. I don't know. I know how big of a loss Chris Ottman Bell is, yeah. but I don't know how much of an excuse you can use for or how much of an excuse you can use it for if you maybe lose to Michigan State, or maybe you don't accomplish your goal of winning the Big Ten West. It's a big deal, but I Mm -hmm. think this far along into the P.J. Fleck regime, everybody on that roster, for the most part, except for maybe Clay Geary and a few other guys that I'm thinking of, or not Mm -hmm. thinking of, these are his guys. They should be ready to hopefully be able to overcome something like this. Yeah, and you shift maybe your approach in some areas where you're you're saying, okay, let's try this wrinkle for this player. It's all about suiting the strengths, the scheme to the strengths of your players, and that's what Kirk Shiraka will do. The adaptation part of it, that's what I'm not worried about. With Kirk Shiraka here now, you have a coordinator who will make the necessary adjustments that maximize the strength of the players. And you got Mo, you got Potts, you got John Michael Schmitz at center, which I think that's the biggest, most important player. On the offensive side of the ball is John Michael Schmitz because he can he can do everything that you need. The reach blocking in the zone scheme, the communication, the protection calls, being in sync with Tanner. One of the best centers in the nation will maybe be a first-round pick this year. So he makes the whole thing tick up there with Tanner uh, at quarterback and spreading the football around it like we talked about is, is the name of the game. They haven't shown much screen game stuff yet, Ross, which – that's something that could be incorporated. Brevin Span Ford wrinkles were showing a bit, but I felt kept to a certain minimum. So opponents didn't really have a chance to, to get some tape on him.
Any chance 2.30 Saturday afternoon, maybe the Gophers kick the ball off, maybe they receive, whatever. First, well, they'll do one of those two things. I do know that. They'll either kick off or they'll receive. <laughs> uh, long story short, though, any chance they come out and start throwing the ball all around in that first drive, knowing that Michigan State's probably thinking, well, they lost Crab. They probably want to establish the run game, which they do. They're always going to do that. That's a that's a staple of the P.J. Flack offense. But maybe P.J. and Sharaka want to get the other receivers feeling comfortable on the road in what should be, I don't know if it'll be the most hostile environment they'll play in all year, but it'll be pretty hostile. And you know Michigan State wants to win that game after, I don't know if you can say they laid an egg against Washington, but they didn't play well. And I don't think a ton of people saw that coming. So any chance the Gophers try and trick them and fool them a little bit and just come out and start throwing the ball around on that first drive? I think you saw that a bit through the non-conference play. Minnesota coming out early with the passing game, setting some things up, and then tying the running game into it. And being multidimensional, you're taking what the defense is giving you. They're a zone predominant team that mixes in some man coverage, and you got some combination man and zone coverages. So, it, again, it, it's all about being uh, able to adjust offensively. And so you got to kind of see what the defense is showing you but i would i would say actually passing to open up the run in this game might be the effective strategy because of what you said you know michigan state probably thinks minnesota might lean on the running game more but as kirk shiraka said today and i was like i wrote all off season about this early down efficiency driving offensive success kirk was talking about how he's that's that's part of their core offensive philosophy and i've i've witnessed that through the first few games and I believe it will continue moving forward into not, uh, the conference play because Kirk Schrocka places such a major emphasis on not being in third and long all the time. Before we take a quick look around the Big Ten, I do want to get your opinion or your thoughts on what will be the most important thing for the Gophers to do to pick up a victory at Michigan State. Because as I've told you, House, I think we talked about it in our last review preview pod last week. Yep. I think the Gophers are going to be pretty good this year. I don't know how good they're going to be. I think we'll get a really good indicator by 6 o'clock on Saturday evening how good this Gopher football team could be. Because if you beat Michigan State, it sets up kind of nice. You return back to Huntington Bank Stadium. You take on a team in the West in Purdue. You're able to get a couple wins there. This starts to feel an awful lot like 2019. You split that. I'm not saying it's bad, but I think the excitement level is a little bit different. This is a big game. It's a big game and going into Purdue next week at home and you have a bye week. So you sort of reset after two difficult games, which I think are going to be extremely important, especially Purdue. As I've said numerous times, I feel like that's that's that. Might be the biggest game on the schedule. Everybody talks about all the other matchups. But when the smoke clears, Purdue could end up being the the most pivotal game overall. I'm still feeling that way, despite the way they played. I think that game, you know, it, it will create some challenges just because of their style of plays a little bit different offensively. Uh, although Minnesota has done an outstanding job of limiting explosive plays and has had answers for Brom in the past, so. You know, I just I agree with you. The first two Big Ten games will tell us a lot, especially coming out of a non-conference slate where the caliber of opponent was lower than normal. We will get a very, very good feel of opponents. The first uh, of the Gophers 
through these first two games against two really good opponents. Looking around the Big Ten house as we start to wrap up this uh, mini edition of Minnesota Sports Chat, these go for football review and preview editions, it's kind of what we're intending to do. We want to give you some fun, give you a nice snackable pod to get ready for the big game on Saturday. Looking around the Big Ten, this Minnesota at Michigan State game, probably the second biggest game of the day. The biggest game will be Wisconsin taking on Ohio State. I think that's mainly just because of the brands. I think Ohio State should win that, probably should win it comfortably. But I do think a lot of people will be paying attention to that game. I also think Indiana at Cincinnati could be maybe sneaky good. Maybe Cincinnati can put some points on the board and hang with, or excuse me, Indiana can put some points on the board and hang with Cincinnati. I don't know. I'm a big Luke Fickle guy, so I don't want to. You know, I don't want to take too many jabs at him, but you know, we'll see. What are your thoughts on the weekend? Iowa at Rutgers. How could you not bring that game up, man? <laughs> 34 and a half over under. Both teams game, bore me, that's why. <laughs> the the battle of the of the punters in that matchup. Everybody is getting all excited about that. I honestly I'm very intrigued by that game. Rutgers offensive line is much improved, and they're gonna try to pound the rock, control the clock, and uh see what happens. But uh, yeah, those matchups that you brought up are interesting as well. We'll see how Wisconsin handles the team speed and C.J. Stroud. Uh, it's it's It should be fascinating. Wisconsin right now coming out of the non-conference play, being a top-five team in defensive EPA per play. Uh, Graham Mertz, we saw, you know, didn't get a very good read on him throughout, you know, the non-conference play just because of caliber opponents. So let's see. He, he To me, he's the X factor along with, Wisconsin's playmakers do they have another player who can emerge as a dynamic weapon in the passing game and then looking at their corners is the other weakness that I feel like could be exploited moving forward so let's see how they do against Ohio State chant it with me control the clock pound the rock or do you want to do pound the rock control the clock what do you like better you know what I was I said that and I instantly went, you know what? That's a pretty pretty good line, actually. That's a t-shirt. That's a t-shirt that you see the team wearing I leading like up to the, the rock, game. Control the clock. Pound the rock. Control the clock. Pound the rock. Control the clock. Any big takeaways from college football the first month of the season? Here's my big takeaway, and it'll never happen. I'm so done with preseason rankings. They just oh, yeah. never mean anything we should not be having top 25s until maybe even the second weekend in october we should at least get through the first week in october first saturday in october before we put any polls out And, and people can say well what does it really matter and largely i agree with you but where you start the season in these polls really can help and hurt a lot of teams when it comes to the end of the year and where they wind up playing in bowl games or who does or who doesn't get into the college football playoff. Maybe not as big of a deal now, but it'll be a big deal when we expand to 12 teams. So my my big takeaway after watching all the upsets, which I love, I love, and I get it. If you, if you didn't have those numbers by their names in September, well, they wouldn't be upsets. Yeah, but I would say if you know the game, you kind of know what is an upset and what isn't. I'm tired of rankings pre-October I don't like it and part of the reason why I don't like it this year is I feel like the Gophers probably should be a top 25 team not that it matters and they're still five to eight slots out so that just kind of drew my 
drew my ire and made my made my eyes perk up a bit. That's yeah, my rankings, big takeaway. Yours? Rankings are worthless. I don't even look at them throughout the season because you watch the games and you study deep enough, you know who the good opponents are and which ones are uh, overrated in the rankings. But I will tell you this much, Ross, there's three teams that I can't, I have come away very impressed with. One being USC, two being Penn State, and three, Washington Huskies. Those three teams probably intrigue me the most as they enter in playing some more, uh, some difficult opponents moving forward. Let's see how those three teams stack up. But gosh darn, Penn State's team speed, man. Holy cow. That You watch them play. That team is fast. So we're coming up on October 22nd. We're a month out from tomorrow. Gophers, Penn State, whiteout. Uh, that, that'll be a fun one. Gophers going to see Penn State twice this year? I don't know, man. I've, I I really am intrigued by those games coming up here to see how Penn State can handle uh, Michigan, Ohio State. Uh, that that will be very fun. What are the peeps going to find at gophersguru.com? You will find a defensive breakdown this week. Uh, it details some of the key plays and what how they happened, the ways in which they were set up, and then also – Michigan State preview, looking at offense and defense, includes some insight from Joe Rossi and Kirk Schrock, who I thought, just like every week, were outstanding, gave me some awesome perspective to sort of build up some of the things that I was working on. Lots of advanced stat film study, a combination of the two to reach some conclusions about keys to Saturday's game. All right, as we uh, close this out and get ready for Michigan State on Saturday, Say it with me. Pound the rock. Control the clock. Pound the rock. Control the clock. Daniel, you're the best. Hopefully when we do this again next week, we'll be reviewing a Gophers victory and previewing potentially another victory over Purdue. Let's, let's keep this win feeling going as long as we possibly can. Thank you, buddy. The 20-minute format's 3-0, baby. I love we'll it. I love it. Daniel House, gophersguru.com, on the Twitter machine at Daniel House NFL. That'll do it for this edition of Minnesota Sports Chat. Please rate and review kindly. I'm Ross Brendel saying thank you so much for listening.